the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What if the I Have a Dream speech had a different title? And later, we're learning how to pray over our kids from head to toe with author Sharon Janes. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this beautiful Monday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We're thrilled that you're with us today. If you've missed any of today's show, as always, we'd love to invite you to go back, catch up on our daily podcast, wherever it is you stream those podcasts. Every single day. You want to listen to me and Brian every day. Yes, you do. Absolutely. We also love... My kids might not want to, but... (laughs) But you do. (laughs) We also love engaging with you on social media. We're at Common Good Talk on Instagram and Facebook. Brian, uh, do you know it's the anniversary of some really significant events... It's the 60th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. It's also the anniversary of the murder of Emmett Till that happened in 1955. Before we talk about uh, those anniversaries, man, this recent shooting at Chapel Hill, I just heard about that. It looks like there was a... A grad student or an grad undergrad student, student it, went it after a professor. It appears that a grad student killed a professor, but it it locked down the entire campus, and we're getting all too used to this, right? Like yeah, it's getting, yeah. we're getting all too used to this. But uh, you know, you're tragically the loss of life of the of the professor, but then you know you're glad that it's not like more widespread, yeah, more, this. But more of a mass. These shooting. are happening again. Like you've had, there was the one in California, I think, at the end of last week or over the weekend at that bar. There was. Another one that I'm forgetting well, now. this is what I wanted to talk about. The one in Jacksonville, That's Florida. Yeah, a 21-year-old yep. gunman shot and killed three people at a Dollar General store. And the gunman, who was white, reportedly left behind three racist manifestos. Uh, law enforcement officials are calling it a hate crime, or at least investigating it as a hate crime. The Justice Department's going to investigate it as well. That, I think, you know, on the kind on the heels, on the toes of, of the... I have a dream speech and even Emmett Till's murder. It's all, you know, really, it's a lot to take in. Just, uh, yeah, it is a lot. And you do, the fact that I couldn't remember all the shootings that happened in the last five days I is, mean, is hard. And none of yeah. them are any worse than the, any of the ones that have come in the past. In right. fact, we're used to ones that are bigger than these. But, and then I was driving today, listening to the news or whatever, and you just forget the number of shootings that happen in the city of Chicago oh, just over, over the weekend. weekend. Right. And they were talking about the number of shootings and the number mm. of robberies. that happen. And mm. you're like, how am I kind of numb to this? But I am. We all are. But also, you know, kind of come Lord Jesus. Like, yeah. Right, how do we keep right. it? It's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. And everyone likes to blame this or blame that mm-hmm. or blame that. But in the end, you just go. What in the world? What in are the we world? Doing? And how will we see an end to this? How we how will we see a solution? I don't know. It's really really devastating. Well, on August twenty eighth, nineteen sixty three, exactly sixty years ago, the Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King rose to the podium at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom and delivered 
what you called earlier, probably one of the most famous speeches in American history. That is true. So if, if I were making a Mount, let's try to do this. If we're making a Mount Rushmore list, you've got to put the Emancipation Proclamation on there. Yeah, of definitely. Lincoln. Yep. You got to put I have a dream. You absolutely have to. Uh, you know, FDR, right? Uh, ask not what you're, oh, no, that's Kennedy, but FDR going uh, into Pearl Harbor. A right? day that lives in infamy. Right. Wow, you have a good memory yeah. of these speeches. Maybe Kennedy's uh, ask not what your country can do but for you. But what you can do, do for your country. So you start to go, but I do Neil think. Neil Armstrong on the moon, does that count? I don't know if that counts as a speech, but yeah. I think you're good there. But I, I, it's hard to say, it's hard to get past the Gettysburg Address and or the Emancipation Proclamation of Lincoln and I have a dream. Like everything else feels like it takes a little I, bit of a step down I agree. Down from like there. I have a dream. I have a dream definitely is at the, t- at the top of the list. So here's what's interesting. Jamar Tisby, he's been on the show before. By the way, you know we forgot some. Someone's going to write to I us know. and be like, Let us know. Let us know. You forgot this. Right. Like, oh, yeah. We want to hear it. Let us know. Um, Jamar Tisby was writing about the speech over at his Substack. He's been on the show before. You could go back and catch up on our conversation with him on our podcast. But Here's what he talks about. He's wondering, what if that speech had a different title? Because Hmm. he says that, unfortunately, Dr. King's words have been sanitized and abused as a negative application of color blindness. People take this quote. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. He says that people kind of take that and use it to avoid talking about racism. And what people do is forget that Dr. King was, uh, you know, giving this speech in the middle of a march. And he was also talking about how things needed to change. There's a fierce urgency of now. That's something that he talks about in the speech. Freedom now, voting rights now, jobs now, decent housing now, an end to police brutality now, 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 now. He says to remember King's words as, quote, the fierce urgency of now speech highlights the call for instant action. It places the emphasis on making tangible changes outlined in some of the demands of the march that day. Basically, he's saying, like, look, this isn't tender sentimentality. This isn't like about positive feelings toward black people. Dr. Martin Luther King was calling for change, for fierce change. And Jamar Tisby says, of course, like we shouldn't actually change the title of the speech, but that title has has not allowed us necessarily to focus on what Dr. King was actually talking about. I remember one of the most powerful things used to happen when we were at Wheaton, I believe on Martin Luther King Day, one of the African-American pastors from town would come in and basically read this speech. Am I feel I remember? like I remember that, too, and that was really powerful. Because to hear it, it's one thing to read it mm-hmm. or to see it on a clip, mm-hmm. but to hear it in its totality— mm-hmm. I think is uh, is interesting, and it was good. Christianity Today um, put up an article today. You can check it out over there about reclaiming Martin Luther King's dream speech. Um, and it is, I, I, I think, for us as Christians, I think it is. There, there's a lot of biblical concepts in the speech yeah, itself, and yeah. so to listen to it and to check it out, I think today's a great day to do that. To be reminded as to what he said and to to go how are we doing yep uh who gets to make that call yep. how do we do and and i think it's it's worthy of doing but at the very least one of the greatest speeches of all time and if you read the history of it 
It was supposed to be four minutes. It went 16. He also, uh, I don't think pe- many people know that he took the I have a dream uh, like phrase from a black female preacher. She gave him permission to. But that's something I learned from Jamar Tisby. Yep, but yep. That, that was kind of cool. So, yeah, listen to the speech today. Listen to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's delivery of it. Really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, Brian, I came across the story of a woman who's dying from a rare cancer, I believe, at age 49. Oof. She says, I have no regrets. And here's why. We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, as always, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. If you missed it, Brian's very hungry. I am. <laughs> we talked earlier about Brian's fasting. And, and He's more spiritual than me and his stomach's growling. He also looks a little peaked. His face is looking a little pale. I, so I, I don't pass between, out. But while, during the commercials, I was out. Just done. <laughs> He's passed out. I had to wake him up to come back. Hey, Brian, this might wake you up. There's an exciting event happening in Naperville this weekend. The Naperville JC's Last Fling is back. September 1st through September 4th, you can enjoy the last of summer in downtown Naperville with carnival rides, live music, food vendors. Admission is free. Free. You can find out more by going to lastfling.org. Do you guys have any big Labor Day plans? We don't at all. I'm doing a wedding over the weekend. Oh, you are? That's fun. And I feel like Labor Day, uh, it was kind of nice. We're like, nope, we're not going anywhere. Not yeah, doing anything. Yeah, that's so nice not you to You go back anything. to the Dells, going somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be at the Dells every weekend from now on. I'm doing a wedding next weekend. Your husband and son I saw on, on Instagram went to Guns N' Roses. Yes. You said they're going to a concert. You didn't say Guns N' Roses. Yeah, they, we got my son Guns N' Roses was tickets for his 17th birthday. Kevin said it was very fun. Couple caveats. That was the super, super hot day. Oh. And they were at Wrigley, so it was very cool venue, but very warm. He also said, it's Guns N' Roses. So, like, every he's like, this place reeks of weed. Yep. Everyone's yep. drunk. Should our 17-year-old be here? I don't know, you know. Um, after about an hour and a half, they were both kind of like, okay, we're hot. We're kind of done. But they, they were like, it? well, they were like, we can't leave because they haven't played Sweet Child of Mine. And so they waited. They're like, no, we're in. We are staying. So and I'm they guessing stayed. they ended with Sweet Child of, of Mine. Of course they did. Yeah. Uh, they had a great time, though. I heard some people say that it was awesome. But as is expected after all these years, Axel Rose doesn't exactly have his fastball and yeah, so much of that in yeah. Slash. But anyway, good for them. That's yeah, awesome. The boy, I mean, even Eli did notice, like, yeah, they're old. They're, yep. you know, they're it is old amazing rockers. how these guys go so old. From Obviously, the, the headline being the Rolling Stones, but I mean, you start doing the math, like, yeah. is that like 80? Like, I like, saw Bon Jovi, and he was like upper 60s, I think, when I saw him, and he was like, just went and went and went. You're like, this guy's unbelievable. I also feel like, I mean, you know, Guns N' Roses, maybe this is stereotypical, but I think they've lived pretty hard. You know what I no mean? Doubt. So I I think their age was probably showing a little more than maybe Oh, I just bon called Jovi John Bon Jovi upper 60s. How He's 61 he? now. Oh, and I saw him like five years ago. <laughs> My bad, John Bon Jovi. Um, all right. Well, I don't even know how to transition to this from that because that's fun news. This is a kind of a sad story yeah. I came across in the Washington Post. There's a author by the name of Amy Edinger. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her book. She writes about like ice cream. Like apparently she traveled across the country trying all of this ice cream what in an America. Awesome book. I know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> anyway, so she had some success with that book, but she was diagnosed with 
a stage four, like really rare aggressive cancer. So she knows that she has just a few months left to live. What's interesting, she's leaving behind her husband, a 14-year-old daughter, writing and teaching career, of course, and 49. I mean, that's young. But she says she actually has no regrets about the way she's lived Mm. her life, which I think is what many of us would hope to say when facing our death. And um, she's got some sort of anecdotes about the way that she's lived and why she's lived without regret. And I wanted to just share them because I thought they were interesting. I don't know if she's a Christian or not. They're not necessarily spiritual at all, but they're certainly meaningful. She says, I learned that lasting love is about finding someone who will show up for you. Apparently she had kind of an unhealthy relationship with a boyfriend in high school. They got together, broke up, got together, broke up. It was, she calls it obsessive and kind of addictive, but he actually at age 21 took his own life. His Mm. death was really heartbreaking and their relationship was really fraught. So she experienced kind of some trauma, like from the aftermath, as you can imagine, And eventually she met her husband, who was, she says, insecure, grappling with his own uh, worries. But he was kind. And his love for me was never in question. We've been together for 25 years. We never broke up. So that's part of living no regrets, just getting to experience kind of a healthy, stable relationship, it sounds like. Yeah. It's always odd, but also somewhat refreshing to hear from someone who's facing death. I know that sounds weird, Mm -hmm. but like. She's got weeks, like months. Like this is good, yeah. according to her. Right, right. And so it also allows you to do the things that you want to do and to like focus on the things you most want to focus mm-hmm. on. But it's like, I mean, this is the Bible. This talks about, the Bible's all about, not all about, but there's there's a lot in the Bible about your life is a mist yeah. and you never know. Right, you never right, know. So right. live for what's eternal. Live for what's important. And she's being faced with that in very real ways right very now. Very real ways. Another thing she talks about is that she pursued her dream career with passion. This is interesting. She said, no one can make a career out of writing. It was a statement she heard from almost everyone she knew But she says, I knew I could not survive waking up each day to the morning commute, heading to a nine to five office under fluorescent lights. I like to be in charge of my own life and my own schedule. Mm. And so she said she just started writing. She even had an agent tell her that her book idea for the ice cream traveling the country, eating ice cream would be more of an article. She was like, no, this is a book. She landed a contract with Penguin Random House, which is a big publisher. Okay. To travel the world, eating ice cream, gathering research, interviewing Jerry from Ben and Jerry's, riding around on the back of an ice cream truck ah. through the streets of Bensonhurst, New York. The book contract was lucrative, and her book was called Sweet Spot, an ice cream binge through America. She's been on NPR. She writes and teaches creative nonfiction to students. So, like, she pursued her career and her passion and... She feels like that's an area where she has no regrets as she's beginning to say goodbye. Yeah. I don't know. I I struggle in stories like these to go like, do I wish to have this in my life? Not not at this age where she is. Definitely not. But like, do I hope to know at when the time is coming and be able to like put a bow on things and tell people I love them Mm. this? Or do I want to just sit down healthy one day and then just die? And then you're just done. I think it's that. I think so, too. Give I think like it 85 would, years, like 80 in years. In one sense, I know we all live in light of our death because our time on Earth is limited. And so I do think we need to have a healthy awareness of that that's and right. with intentionality. But that's different psychologically 
than knowing I have a few weeks to live. I think that would be really torturous. I honestly I do. do. Too. I think it'd be really, I, yeah, it'd be really, really painful. Except you often hear from people who do have that. Yes. Their thankfulness. I was reading a story yeah. again around the same thing about, a. I think it was a lady who had like a year to live and claimed it and knew it. Mm-hmm. And claimed it to be the hardest but best year of her life mm. because they did all this stuff and she yeah. was able to like focus and able yeah. to. And I was like, that ticking of that time clock would be would be too much for me. But how should we think this is Christians though? It feels like our faith changes this discussion. I don't know that it practically always does, but yeah, I I mean I think it's a really good question because I do think there are two things. One, we are to live in light of eternity, mm-hmm. like Jesus talks about storing up treasures in heaven. And so in one sense it is a call, I think, to like love your neighbors, love your family, make the most of the days you have, tell people about Jesus, live with intentionality, make memories, yeah. love people well, and not be so earthly focused that you forget to think about That's storing right. treasures in heaven and building God's kingdom for eternity and the legacy you're going to leave. Right. And so that's a strange tension, I it think, is. for the Christian to be both present and grateful and also be focused on what's to yeah. come and, and looking forward to meeting Jesus face to face and and knowing you can't take anything with you. So where are you storing your And treasures? for most of us, that is a theoretical discussion. Yeah, but for this woman. But for this it's... woman or people in that stage, they're just like, yeah. I know that it's coming to an end. So what do I want to do? You got to love the, the picture of the articles, her and her daughter and her husband oh, at yeah. Disneyland. Ugh, yeah, that's what I would do for sure. Hey, be. coming up next, Brian and I are going to share some simple things from the 90s. That we miss. We're getting very nostalgic when we come back. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. I don't know if you can hear Brian Fromm, but he's in the studio just like dropping things. I am. I am. Throwing things. I don't know what to do. Causing mayhem here at The Common Good studio. This is why someday you and I have talked about, about having this on like... You know, YouTube or Facebook Live yes. or something. And I think what people would be surprised <laughs> is how many times I, I inadvertently run into the microphone. I headbutt it. I hit it with my drink. I hit it with your, my hand. Your, your headphones. Like if people hit just it. listening regularly just hear this all the time, it's because I just regularly hit the microphone by accident. He also, I love this behind the scenes at the Common Good. Brian also just sometimes gets in like an ornery mood and like he just starts throwing. We have these little table tents with our pictures on him and he just starts throwing them at me randomly and I like don't know what to do. The third do. thing I try not to do as often anymore, Ian was king for pointing this out. Uh, because you know, because you sit by me here, I always have an iced tea. Always a, has an iced tea. It's a Dunkin' Donuts. It's a Panera. Yeah. Today, it's a Panera. Yeah. yeah. And Ian used to look at me and go, seriously, why do you shake the ice in the microphone? And I'm like, I'm not trying to. He's like, there's all this other space you could go to. And I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, all of this is true. I, in fact, my microphone in front of me right now is somewhat broken. And I think I probably did you that. You probably broke it from all so, of the head banging on it. One more uh one more little uh and then we'll get into what we're talking about um doing something inadvertently yeah so yesterday as i told you earlier in the show we had a full day of moving my daughter into college Aww. driving back and forth and we're unpacking the car and uh you know we didn't have a ton of stuff so yeah. just, just carrie and i are outside i've got a van and then right next to it i have our other car yeah and we're unpacking the van and i'm walking between the two cars and i don't even like recognize where i am i turn 
and I took the oh. the rear like oh. the side mirror oh. to the ribs. Oh, and Ow. I like lost my breath. It hit me so Are hard. I walked serious? in the carry and I was like, I I'm such a moron. But like today it's brute. Like oh. I am hurting because it so, was like I've done that I before. Hit it, it hurts. I yeah. hit it oh. so hard. Oh. And it was this moment. And side my wife mirror to the ribs. My wife my wife tries to give me <laughs> compassion in those moments. But you could also see, like, her, she doesn't hide her look very well. Uh-huh. So the look is like kind of eye roll. I don't know. Roll. Don't run into stationary <laughs> things. <laughs> like I don't know. Just like move, bro. Like it didn't run into you. You ran into it. <laughs> so maybe the answer is don't just run into stationary items. That's marriage right yep, there. Yep. Right there so for you. She doesn't say that. So she will. Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Sometime yeah. we're going to do a top five list, maybe even later this week, about just like behind the scenes things about your co-host or things that you didn't know about your co-host or something You're going like to want to be careful with that one. <laughs> the things you'll reveal about me. You mean? Yes. Beyond she does crazy accents yes. on the air. One of my favorite things too behind the scenes is that like, again, if people can see the studio, uh, you and I are sitting across from each yes. other. Yeah. Uh, what do we got? Like five feet between us maybe. Maybe. And behind you is the window that opens to the hallway and to our producer. producer. Yeah, listen, so you're only facing me. Yes, you're facing away from see all Laura, of this. Producer. And so you're just kind of looking out a window. Yeah. And this, I'm facing, if I look past you, I can see our producer. Yeah. But the important part of this story is I can also see the hallway. Oh. And so a lot of times there'll be people <laughs> who will walk by. And sometimes it's like we're in a zoo. People will like stop and look in at us like we're in a zoo. And it's in those moments I will like catch Aubrey's eyes and I will point like there's just something out yeah. there. And she'll turn and the person will be like three feet from her staring at her. And Aubrey will every time get scared and let out like uh, like some I sort do. of noise. I that's do. like, oh, and, and I love Remember that. It's one, one of my I favorite fe- things. One time I fell off the chair. I got so scared. <laughs> and so it's constantly my goal when I see people out there to make you catch eyes with them wow wow good times good times here at the common so that's number good. one on the top five list there <laughs> yes we should just turn this into top five list right now okay here's what i actually do want to talk about you and i are both gen xers we so, are. so situated like our our prime according to some people was in the 90s oh, right? it, was. Like, it was such my prime those were the those i was the man the in the 90s <laughs> I found people on BuzzFeed sharing simple things from the 90s that they really miss. I wanted to share those. But before we do, does anything just come to mind? Like when you think back on the good old days of the 90s, anything that you're like, that was simpler and I miss it. So I I know this isn't the route they're going. So I'll I'll eventually get to this route. But really, it is like the 90s and the 80s for us. That was our childhood. And like teenage years, adolescent years. Yeah. Have a care in the world. Like it was like, what are we doing Friday? Oh, you want to play wiffle ball today? Oh, I got homework to Uh do. And then in college, we went to college. I went to college in the fall of 95. So it was like, oh. I mean, college is the greatest it's thing in so the world. Great. I have class at eight. I have class at ten. Right. Maybe, and then I'll go get lunch, and then right. I have nothing the rest I can of the do day. Whatever I want to do. And now. you didn't. Work. I remember not even knowing what was going on in the world. So that's so true. I think that gets at uh, if I were an adult in the um, if I were an adult in the if I'm an adult now could go, go back to being an adult in the nineties okay, so and the eighties. As 80s. an adult, your age now, but so in I the still 80s have responsibilities. Yes. Yeah. I think, ironically, 
I would, because people are going to say, well, you could deal with this right now. Uh-huh. I think ironically, I would not, one thing that I would miss from the 80s and the 90s is not being so accessible. Totally. And not totally. knowing at all times what's going on. Yes. In the 80s, at least, if not into the early 90s, you got to wake up in the morning and you look in the, the paper. paper to see if the Mets won. That's how I right. found it. Right. Or, you know what? I can remember my best friend, his dad was our pastor. Okay. And so I have this little glimpse into what was it like to be a pastor then versus a pastor now. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. I remember because it frustrated me because he was my friend, like my, my buddy. Yes. Uh, they would. He categorically said, we're not getting an answering machine. Because he didn't want people to be able to leave message. So no think about right way. now. No if way. you didn't have a cell phone, but also didn't have an answering machine. So he would answer his phone, sure, but if sure. they were having dinner, he, he wouldn't, wouldn't answer his phone. Oh, wow. And my guess is they had voicemail at church, so sure. people could leave messages there. At, in his office, but, but then he'd get it like on his work hours. He had a very, mm. it, when he was home, he was home, right? When he was doing this stuff. And I, I know I that, that we can do that now, but it's really, it's really kind of impossible. It, it and is kind of just impossible. to know what's going on. Again, yeah. I could delete Twitter tomorrow. You could. But- the the fact that I you you lived a life in which you didn't know what was going on in everybody yeah. else's life yeah. feels that innocence. I think there's innocence that yeah. I missed when we were in the eighties. Our parents missed the innocence of the fifties. That's why the did. Wonder Years was a great show. Right, like it, every generation says this in their own new way, but there is some truth to that. I was even thinking about this is going to sound funny, but I'm kind of taking the same line of thinking. I used to when, I, especially when I was a young teenager, like thirteen, fourteen. I would have to go to the store to get like Bop magazine or Big Bopper magazine. And they were all just like literally like interviews with like Corey Haim and Corey (laughs) Feldman and Alyssa Milano and Kurt Cameron and all these, you know, old school celebrities. And then you like got a poster of them that you could hang on your wall. But what the point I'm trying to make is you didn't know anything about your favorite pop culture icon until you went to the store and got the magazine right. and the magazine became like a thing and it was so exciting to read and learn that Corey Haim's favorite snack was pop tarts or whatever and and I again you know it's funny to say this but with celebs being so accessible mm-hmm. online you almost know more than you want to know you know what I mean you know like all the dirty secrets and you see there I like yes. I don't necessarily I, I want it more curated maybe but it goes back to the naivete I think and the innocence of like it wasn't a better time. Corey nope. Haim was probably, I mean, you know, the guy died of a drug overdose. Like he was disturbed, and yet there was something about the 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 innocence and the fun of going to the store and picking up the magazine and yeah. learning I that get, way. I used to get Sports Illustrated every Thursday. Yeah, and I would run to the mailbox. And Sports Illustrated, I'm not even sure they put out a weekly magazine anymore because everything's so online. And maybe Wasn't they it do. fun to go get a magazine in the mail? I would run to the mailbox and be like, did Sports And then if it, was ha- if it happened to be a day late, I'm yeah. so mad because you'd read the stories. And it was all stuff you didn't know. So I guess in a weird way, I don't want to go back to being less accessible, but I miss being or having less information yes. available. yeah. But I miss both those. I miss being yeah. less accessible. And I also miss like kind of the excitement. You know what? Of I the... don't know everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah. And also what everybody thinks about it. Yeah. Oh, I could wow. just live my life 
and I could watch the news. Man, we this is it's true. I there that's it for me. Yeah. I don't I guess I wouldn't want to go back to it, but I kind of miss it. That's yeah, the, that's I, the that, that's the weird I aspect that, of this. I feel that too. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about how to pray over your kids. School starting How do we consider our kids during the school day and pray for their needs? We're joined by author Sharon Janes to talk about that. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. Our kids are headed back to school, and as parents... We want nothing more than the Lord to be with them. We want to pray for them. And so we have brought on author Sharon James. She has a new book coming out September 5th called Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe, a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture-based prayers. Sharon, thanks so much for being here with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So you've written a lot of books Uh around all kinds of topics, but you're turning our focus to kids and how we can pray the scripture over our kids. Why did this feel important for you, especially right now? Well, about 10 years ago, I wrote a book called Praying for Your Husband from Head to Toe. And so many people who read that said, we really need a book like that for mothers. Mm. And, you know, we've only, we only need to look in the look in the paper, listen to the news. And we know that our kids are under attack now more than ever before in history. There's some of the things that you guys talk about often, that this, the cultural relativism, the, the multiple school shootings, the mm. gender confusion, the moral liberalism that just infests and infects the school systems. And not only that, but social media. And we've yeah. always had children experiencing peer pressure. I mean, that was, by the time we had two people on earth, there was peer pressure. But now there's so so much more because of social media. And what we've seen in the past few years that the depression rate has risen among adolescents and teens. Mm. We say the suicide is the second leading cause of death among children, adolescents between 15 and 24. So there's a lot of stress and pressure um, on Children from, I mean, from the time they're born to they leave the empty nest and then on to college. So we need to be praying for these kids and for our children and other children. And as we talk about what's going on in the world, and it's very frightening, we also know that Scripture tells us that we're not fighting a struggle of flesh and blood, Mm -hmm. but against rulers, against authorities, against powers in this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And the only way to fight that is through prayer. You fight, Mm -hmm. fight spiritual struggles with with prayer. Now, that's not to say that we don't actually intervene when we need to in the physical realm. Yeah, yeah. But but I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying that the most powerful thing that we can do is to pray because again Paul says that you know we wage war not as the world does. Fight mm-hmm. we fight with the weapons of, or not weapons of the world. Yeah. So that's why we're we're praying for our children, but we're not coming up with words on our own. We're going right to scripture. We're looking at 16 different landmarks of a child of a child's life from from the mind and what they think about, the eyes, what they look at, the ears, what they listen to, all the way down to their feet mm. and the path that they take. And we're going to do that every day, praying scripture over them. And, you know, somebody might be listening to, oh, gosh, I don't have time to do all that. But listen, it really takes about five to seven minutes mm. to go through and cover that child in prayer every day with scripture. 
Mm. I'd love to hear some more of them. 16 areas. That's a lot. So um, I, I would love for people to hear very practically what this looks like, what you're praying so they get a better picture of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're praying for the mind. That's what the child thinks about. We're going to pray scripture over that. So many scriptures in the Bible about the mind. Do that be conformed to the pattern of of this world be transformed by not your behavior but by the renewing of your mind Mm. and we're going to start there because as parents we tend to pray about behavior but let's back up let's pray for the mind first that the behavior comes out of Mm. then we're going to pray for the eyes and that's what we look at what you look at and what you see are very different and we as parents can't control what they see necessarily on a given day but we can pray that they will not look at and ponder what they're seeing and again social media is huge with that Mm. we're praying for their ears and what they listen to who and what they listen to because if a child listens to the wrong voice they're going to make the wrong choice Mm. and they're they're hearing things out in the culture today that are very contrary to the truth of god and what they're learning at home so we're going to pray who they listen to we're going to pray for the mouth and that is the words that they speak but i want to say here guys you know we've got to be careful what's coming out of our mouths as Mm. adults because even though we pray if what comes out of their mouth, they're going to most likely imitate what they hear their parents doing and other yeah. people in authority. Mm. So then we're praying for their neck. Now this is a, oh. that's a really odd one. But the neck, you think about it, the neck is what turns the head, right? Mm, yep. So we've, we've, we've covered the head, the mouth, the ears, the eyes, the nose. And then we're going to pray for the neck, what turns the head. And that is the decision that the child makes because mm. those decisions will determine destinies. You know, it's a risky thing when God gave us choice. And sometimes I wish he hadn't. Yeah, <laughs> right. In right. my life, I'm like, I don't want to choose. Lord, just make me do what you want me to do. <laughs> but that's that's not a fact of life. And he did yeah. give us choice. So we're praying um, for our children's choice. And that begins very young. And as we're doing this, it goes all the way through those teenage years and mm. beyond. They were moving down, praying for their shoulders. That's their burdens and worries. Listen, we can't pray that our kids will not worry. They probably, they will. Yeah. But what we can pray about is what they do with that worry, Mm -hmm. what they do with those burdens, and that they learn how to give those burdens to the Lord. So we're praying for their burdens and worries, that give all your worries to God because He cares for you. We're praying scripture in that area. Then we're praying for the heart, and that's who and what they love. We're praying for their back. That's their physical and spiritual protection. Mm. Again, we are praying scripture. And then the arms that, you know, when we read through the Bible, we say that the, the arms represent strength. It represents the strong arm of God. So if we're praying for the arms, we're praying that they will be strong, strong in character and courage, purpose, mm. to be all that God fashioned them to be. Then we're praying for their hands, and that's their God-given talents and abilities, praying that they will discover what those are and then develop those to glorify God. And then we're praying for the ring finger, that one finger on that hand, and that's praying for their future spouse. And it's so important that if we think about praying for children, it's not just our own children that we're praying for, but it's it's other children as well. Yeah, that's and, good. Um, Guys, I didn't become a Christian through a, a mother that was praying for me. I was not raised in a Christian home. It was a very um, it was an ungodly home. Mm. Drinking, But there was a woman down the street for me. She was my best friend's mom who prayed for me. So, Aww. yes, I became a Christian through a mother, a praying mother, mm. just not my own mom. And then both of my parents in a six-year period after oh, wow. I became a Christian That's amazing. as a teenager. Both became Christians. So let's pray for other kids, too. Yes, that's That's great. And speaking of other kids, we're going to go to the side, which is praying for those influential relationships in our kids' lives who walks beside them. 
Then we're going to pray for their sexuality, pray for sexual purity, and that they won't have gender confusion in their lives, praying scripture of that, not my opinion, not my words, just playing scripture. And then we're praying for the legs, they have to stand on godly principles, because we know, I mean, we have to pray this for ourselves. There's yeah. so yeah, much totally. in this culture that we can be just have our feet knocked out from us if we don't stand on godly principles. Mm. So we're praying for that. We're praying for their needs, their relationship with God. Um, if they humble themselves before God, that they'll accept Christ at an early age. He continues to grow and mature. And then finally, we're praying for their feet. And their feet is the path that they take. That's their path on any given day. And then it's the path that they will choose mm. throughout their lives. So that's the 16 landmarks. That's awesome. It's a lot longer to talk about them than it is does to pray for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Sharon James is the author of Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. It's a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture-based prayers with this unique head-to-toe pattern that Sharon just explained to us. What a great reminder. I think for parents, you know, Brian and I both have teenagers. Brian's got a daughter in college. But even for our young kids and our uh, teenage kids, our adolescent kids, like this is so fantastic. Sharon, where can our people connect with you? Where can they pre-order your book? Um, well, they can pre-order it if you go to SharonJanes.com. And my last name's kind of different. It's J-A-Y-N as in Nancy E-S, so SharonJanes.com um, forward slash praying for your child. There's all kinds of resources there. But actually, they can pre-order it anywhere, Amazon, ChristianBooks.com, Barnes & Noble, anywhere they would like anywhere where they normally would buy books. But on on my site, also, I have another resource that I'd love for your listeners to have. Oh, yeah. And it's it's called Praying for Your Teacher from Head to Toe. It's a free resource. And if they just go to SharonJanes.com and look for the free resources in in the menu bar up top, it's the very first one. So you can print it out, be praying for your child's teacher from head to toe throughout the school year. Oh, that's so fantastic. Sharon, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.